The Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We gather to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us come Sunday. In these hours, as we approach the Nativity, we do, do so with a sense of mystery and presence and spirit. Flocks were sleeping, shepherds keeping, vigil till the morning knew, saw the glory, heard the story, tidings of a gospel true. Thus rejoicing, free from sorrow, praises voicing, greet the morrow. Christ the babe is born for you. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. In these moments, we prepare ourselves, we prepare our minds and our souls and our spirits. We prepare the habitation of our hearts for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We prepare the manger scene of our souls for the smoking cradle of the advent of the Christ. We prepare ourselves as a community of faith to embrace, nay, to be embraced by the incarnate love of God. Let us bow in preparation for our time of confession and prayer as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie. good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the second book of Samuel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 11 and 16. Now when the king was settled in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, 
do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, and your throne shall be established forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends, let us say together the canticle Magnificat with the antiphon. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm and has scattered the proud in the hearts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, Abraham and his descendants forever. And now let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Thank you. 
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Glory to you, O Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Let the Christmas moment hold you. Look, see the candle, touch the hymnal, hear the organ, sense the evergreen. Let the Christmas moment hold you. In memory, recall the words of the announcement, the narrative that you carry with you. These are the ones, after all, that count. There were shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And suddenly there was with them a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace, goodwill to all. Three wise men came from the east bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They went home by another way, being warned in a dream. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not one thing was made. Let the Christmas moment hold you. Now, you know that these and other verses which we have remembered are not found in our gospel this year. There is no room in the inn of Mark chapter 1 for birth narratives. We are left with these accounts that have been brought. We've retreated from the high ground of Mark to Luke and to Matthew and to John. In Paul and Galatians 4, we read simply of his birth, born of a woman, born under the law. And in our gospel this year, St. Mark, we hear specifically, substantially, clearly, absolutely nothing, not one thing. Let the Christmas moment Hold you. Then, whence these narratives, Luke, Matthew, John, all, they emerged later in the life of the church. And why? But of course, in love we, we want to know. In love we, we want to share. And so Luke, preaching to a Hellenistic culture, gathers and describes such a birth in the Miraculous, miraculous, miraculous narrative so well known in his time and in his place, but he places therein ancient writ in the Psalms of Elizabeth and of Mary. Mary's might, in one sense, fit better on Elizabeth's lips, for its content is taken like her story from 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2, but the Psalms are eschatological, the Magnificat and the other. They await a day, Christer Stendhal said, we Christians are second-hand Jews grafted upon the great tree. They awaited a day when 
Every mountain will be laid low and every valley will be lifted up. The gospel bears regard for the lowly. And Mary sings to, sings for, and sings of those of low estate. No, the, the narratives come much later than the gospel they affirm, and they bring us each season in wonder, a mixture of history and theology, of memory and art, of stylized memory and historic philosophy. Let the Christmas moment hold you. This is a season for stories. You know it in your own hearth favorites. Leo Tolstoy, where love is, God is. O. Henry, the gift of the Magi. Raymond Alden, why the chimes rang. Films, popular and shared. Miracle on 34th Street. White Christmas, home alone. All manner of narrative. Story, let the Christmas moment hold you. It may be that the blinding light of the gospel of incarnation is, as every day to some degree, too much for us to receive. And so to muffle our puzzlement and to mask our befuddlement, we find our way back into narrative. After all, what? manner of gospel must this be that God has deigned stoop to enter our condition. It is not something we fathom. It is a blinding light. Our condition of horror and terror of antietam and Flanders Field, Auschwitz, Buchenwald, Nagasaki, Dresden, World Trade Center, Boylston Street, Pakistan, and this very morning two policemen in New York gunned down with tragic, heedless, needless violence. What manner of news is this? that God would deign to enter our condition of grief and loss, yours and mine. A friend caught ill, a job removed, a marriage ended, a parent buried, a hope deferred that maketh the heart sick. Our condition that God would enter our condition of duplicity and disguise. We put the best foot forward, but it's really the other one that deserves attention. We are saints abroad and devils at home. We discount our own losses and lacks, suppressio veri, suggestio falsi with regard to ourselves. But with regard to others, we are 
analytically critical and judged to the nth. Our condition. There may be just something so blinding about the Christmas gospel that we turn to the narratives of Luke and Matthew and John. Elizabeth precedes Mary and both sing of those of low estate. Mary trusts in the God of holy writ of ancient scripture. The God who exalts the humble, who ministers to the poor, who paves a way for justice in the face of injustice. That is the God of Sarah, the God of Rebecca, the God of Rachel, the God of Miriam, the God of Deborah, the God of Esther, the God of Hannah, the God of Elizabeth, the God of Mary who says, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior who has exalted those of low estate. Worship with you at Marsh Chapel, actual, virtual, is a singular grace. Exquisite, the music, wondrous, the spirit, every year more crowded by the presence of those absent, the memories of those who have gone before. We recite at the Lessons and Carols service that we rejoice with those who are with us yet from another shore and in a greater light. And those present by absence multiply. They are they're with us. They are present to us in their silence and in their absence. We finish that service. Do you notice it last week? That Dear God, who has, makes us glad each year by the festival of the birth of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, allow us also to behold him with confidence when he comes to be our judge. Redeemer, that is Christmas. Savior, that is Easter. Redemption, that is Christmas. Resurrection, that is Easter. Son of God, that is Christmas. Son of man, that is Easter. And in the very moment of nativity, we are given the question of Christmas. Christmas is not just a feeling, not just an emotion, not just an experience. Christmas bears you and me a lasting question. We have long been near academia, whether growing or aging at Colgate and Syracuse University, Ohio Wesleyan and Columbia, McGill and Le Moyne and University of Rochester and now Boston University. For four decades my dear friend Bob Fisk worked at Syracuse University. He came to the church we were trying to build in that urban setting through a connection with our scout troop. He taught his young men a love of nature in the Adirondacks, a regard for space, place, name, and history in the Adirondacks, and the basics of leadership there, 
affirm in public, criticize in private, and all. We were able to talk, he and I, about Eagle Courts of Honor and Philmont Scout Ranch and the Tooth of Time and the National Jamboree. He worked in a little corner of the university. Now to understand this, we will need archeological tools. He was an audiovisual assistant and he lived in a little nest most days until the end of term, meeting the needs of sometimes hasty, sometimes tardy, sometimes self-occupied students. And in his range of reality, there did dwell film strip projectors, carbon paper, whiteout, carousels for slides, screens small, medium, large, and extra large, what you might need, dear student, for your oral report due this afternoon or in two hours or in 20 minutes. And he was able to provide in, in, in humility and kindness and integrity. In the joy of those afternoons as the church grew, I was able to go and visit with him and watch with hat in hand as the orphaned students proceeded with their orphaned projects to be met and he didn't preach to them. He didn't say, be punctual, do everything at the appointed hour. He didn't say, proper planning prevents poor performance. He didn't say, your lack of planning does not create my midlife crisis. He simply provided for the hasty and the tardy and the self-occupied. A middle-aged minister back for a graduate degree one year came to my door to say, you know, out of your congregation, you have a man who would give the shirt off his back. I have seen it. One Christmas, trying to grow the congregation, we decided to have a Christmas dinner. About a hundred of us gathered for the meal and singing carols and the humble program that evening, that snow-covered evening, was simply to ask three of our leaders to tell a story they remembered of Christmas. Bob's was the last. He told of being age 20 and being shipped to London, England in the early 1940s, and he carried with him a photograph of his girlfriend, Connie, who was the night he spoke sitting next to him, and he found himself a part of a five-member air flight crew, and he told us that they were not allowed to celebrate Christmas that year in England with any lights, so there were no candles and there were no bulbs. He realized, though, that their rations came in a cardboard box that was covered with paraffin, and so as the weeks toward Christmas unfolded, he took his scout knife and he peeled off one layer and another of a pseudo-wax, and he took a number 10 can, and he fit the paraffin into the can, and finally, as the day came, he had enough for three shoelace-wicked candles, and as the plane took off, and they sailed across the cliffs of Dover and the English Channel in the dark, in the great deep dark, except for the pilot, all of the crew gathered behind, and Bob set up a table, and he put the candles out, thinking they might not light, but they did. One, two, three. And there they stood in silence. One recited a broken part of the 23rd Psalm. One helped lead the Lord's Prayer. 
And then after a further pause, somehow they made it through two verses of Silent Night. And in that narrative, I learned the source, the fonds at Origo, the upspring, wellspring of Bob's daily humility and kindness and integrity. Christmas raises a question for us that's embedded in this and other stories, which is, what is the very point of all that we endure? What is the ground of being marrow, the meaning of birth and death, of struggle and achievement, of failure and loss, of growing up and growing old? What is the the point? We should be able at Christmas to answer in a couple of sentences. What is the point of all this three score and ten, or if by reason of strength, four score only, set of decades and years? The gospel sung in the Magnificat and Luke 1, cherished here at Marsh Chapel and abroad, is just this. The point of living is to love God and love neighbor. The meaning, marrow, purpose of being alive, briefly, is to learn to love God and to love neighbor. And in the incarnate Christ, to become rotund, that is to find a wholeness in the learning of love for God and neighbor. As John Wesley asked, are you going on to wholeness? Are you going on to wholeness in love in this lifetime? The point is to love God and to love the neighbor. Or as Wesley concluded, if you're not going on to perfection in love in this life, what are you going on toward? which requires a second birth, a moment of choice. It may occur in the long expanse of nine decades, and that is good. It may occur in a gestation of nine months, and that is good. It may happen in the last nine minutes of a sermon preached from the pulpit of Marsh Chapel by the current dean of Marsh Chapel, addressing himself and you all personally as well. What do you mark as the very point of life. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if that isn't the point, please tell me just what it might be. Let the Christmas moment hold you. Flocks were sleeping Shepherds keeping vigil till the morning knew, saw the glory, heard the story, tidings of a gospel true. Thus rejoicing, free from sorrow, praises voicing, greet the morrow. Christ the babe is born for you.
You may be seated. Come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Come, let us adore him. Sitting, standing or kneeling, head bowed or face to the rising sun, you're welcome to pray in the way that the spirit moves you. In preparation for prayer, let us sing together, lead me Lord. Almighty God, as a people of faith, we bow to worship and adore you. Joyfully and triumphantly, we offer our thanks and praise for your love and faithfulness. We thank you for the word made flesh, for through Christ, we know you. And we know that through him, salvation and forgiveness of sins are possible. With love and awe, we embrace you for loving us so dearly that you gave us your one and only. We give glory and praise to this promise fulfilled, and we look forward to the day when he comes again. As we prepare for Christ's return, empower us, Holy Spirit, so that we may grow in faith and knowledge in our Lord Jesus Christ. Abide with us so that we may put that knowledge into action and live confidently and boldly as Christians, on guard, standing firm in the faith, courageous and strong, and extending kindness and love in everything we do. Gracious God, be with those whose call to service keeps them away from their loved ones. We pray for those around the world who suffer from the indignities of injustice, the violence of war, and the apathy of their governments. We pray for the leadership of our country as well as the leaders around the world. Give strength and courage to those in the shadow of death. We pray for those at eternal rest and ask that you comfort all of us who grieve with them and for them. For the anxious, we ask for the peace of your presence. Give comfort to the sick and those undergoing medical procedures. Stand by their caregivers, guiding their hands and focusing their minds. Lord, you taught us to pray and told us to pray persistently. And so we raise our concerns to you in the name of love's pure light our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now as the children of God, let us pray together the prayer that Emmanuel taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace of God be with you. Your family here at Marsh Chapel would like to warmly welcome you this morning and wish you a very Merry Christmas on this Christmas Sunday. We're so happy to share this holiday with you and we hope and pray that you continue your spiritual journey here throughout the entire year. A good way for us to get to know you and help you get to know one another better is to fill out your contact information on the red books towards the center aisle of each pew. So please fill those out and pass them along. You'll also see in the center of each pew red envelopes, and those are intended for what I like to call our quest for cushions here at Marsh Chapel. If you put funds into those envelopes and drop them into the offertory plates, they will go to our fundraising cause for pew cushions. Marsh is buzzing with Christmas cheer today. Directly following the service this morning, please join us downstairs for a family-friendly Christmas get-together, complete with cookie decorating, card making, hot chocolate, caroling, and lots of hoopla. You are all welcome after the service. This Christmas Eve, Marsh Chapel will be offering two services, one at noon and one at 7.30 p.m. Please join us in the chapel to welcome the birth of Christ on Wednesday. We would really love to see you then. We are welcoming new members into our Marsh Chapel chapter today towards the end of the worship service. So please take a minute after the service to greet Laura, Yuri, and Victoria. Give them a smile and a handshake and welcome them to our beloved community. Many other events and worship opportunities can be found on our website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also an opportunity for online giving. In this season of charity and generosity, may we reflect on what it means to give. And as the choir lifts us up in angelic song and the ushers beckon forward, may we find ourselves being as generous as we are able.
Our souls magnify the Lord, and our spirits rejoice in God our Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servants. Surely from now on all generations will call us blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for us, and holy is his name. Bless, O God, these gifts and their givers for the work of ministry in this place and around the world, that the hungry may be filled with good things and the lowly may be lifted up. Here are we, the servants of the Lord. Let it be with us according to your word. Amen. You may do so simply by signing the red pad so, or by sending an email, or by talking to one of the clergy, or if you are so accustomed, 
to being received in public as we do in this moment and also at the Easter Vigil. I direct the congregation, as we come toward the benediction, to page 45 and then page 48 of the United Methodist Hymnal. Dearly beloved, the churches of God and will be preserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship and the due administration of God's word and sacraments, the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline, the edification of believers and the conversion of the world. All of every age and station stand in need of the means of grace which it alone supplies. If you are so moved to be received as a member today, we will receive you in the moment or in the heart. And I ask Yuri and Laura and Victoria. Beloved, well beloved, is Marsh Chapel now your home, your spiritual community, your community of faith? Do you live and proclaim in discipleship and practice a trust in the creative, redeeming, sustaining power of God? Will you, by God's grace, recognizing that the work of salvation is 99% divine and 1% human, nonetheless support the ministry of the church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service? And the congregation, please turn to page 48, where you see the phrase United Methodist Church, please insert Marsh Chapel. Brothers and sisters, I commend to your love and care these persons whom we this day receive into the membership of this congregation. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and protect them in love together. We rejoice and recognize you as the members of Christ's Holy Church and bid you welcome to this congregation of my God. With you, we renew our vows to uphold it by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. With God's help, we will support our lives after the example of Christ that surrounds us as love. We may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. Will you turn around for a moment? With happiness and applause, let us greet our newest members. Then the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to make peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you. 